Hello, I'm Ryan, and this is You're Not Watching That. It's still the podcast where I'm finally catching up with all those films I should have seen. Uh, but my parents wouldn't let me. So uh, welcome to episode 12. Uh, after us show busying it up in that London at the premiere of The Flash, uh, where better to go this week than back to 1980 and Mike Hodges' camp bubblegummy cartoony classic. Uh, Queen are on the tunes. Blessed is on the uh, shouting and wearing pants uh, Dalton is basically Robin Hood and Sam J. Jones is playing everyone's favourite American footballer turned Earth Saver. He's alive, he's on a space bike and he's flying into your hearts. He's Flash Gordon. Uh, let's have it. Done. That's it. That's the end of the intro. See, I tried to say let's have it, like that would be my catchphrase and then I still had to say that's the end of the intro. Dan Fudge, what do you think of that? need to it's, it's all right like intro over that's it we can all start talking now <laughs> well, the thing is because because we edit this after with the music i guess to everyone else when i've stopped that bit the music would have stopped so you knew it was a start but for me and you it's like a dead silence it's it's fine it's okay you can sort it in the edit it's fine he says he's looking again uh, quick one dan this is going to be off the point slightly don't worry it's not miley in class this week uh bites how often do you get bit are you are you quite chewable for for insects and beasts uh <laughs> Not really, but I feel like uh, I feel like you know when you if you got that feeling where you're like something's crawling on me, something, and and I used to get it all the time when I used to have a cat, and uh, and I used to oh it's probably fleas or something, but I'm getting it now, and my cat's been dead like two years now, so I'm like ghost, um, yeah, I'm getting ghost fleas. <laughs> I feel like they're call? on me, they're on me, they're crawling on me, uh, or they could have just been lying dormant for six months in the winter time, and now they're in the rug. When you're feeding fleas, crawling up your leg. Who are you going to call? Ghost flea buster. Yeah, it's not quite the same. Uh, no, I, I very rarely get them. And then I, I was on a call with work the other day and I had these three. I was going to a gig, actually, the gigs that we do on Saturday. And I looked at my leg at the, uh, at the train station. I thought, bloody hell, they look, they look minging. They look like I've got some sort of uh, medieval disease. Three in like a triangle. I was like, God, if you know, if I was one of them doctors from those uh, those plague doctors with a big beak, you know the ones I mean from the old medieval films. Yeah, yeah. Sir, you need an ointment of X, Y, Z. So on this call, I said to um, there was two lasses on the call and one lad. And I said, I'm not trying to make this sexist, but girls, do you know what to do? Like they get bit more or something. I went, what do I do with bites? And straight away, this girl from Newcastle went, Aloe vera. Just <laughs> <in."> <laughs> There's so too I, many easy jokes there, isn't there? She's just just out of nowhere. Aloe vera. So I just went, I went like this in my hand, like put it up and went, no one speak. And I just went off camera. And I come back with a fucking leaf of aloe vera. And she went, where'd you get that from then? And I went, I happen to have aloe vera just growing. It's the only plant I grow. And it's actually vera too, because it's the second incarnation of aloe vera. So I just always water it every every couple of weeks as aloe vera grows. And do you know what's funny about it, Dan? You know, that right place, right time. I once years ago was carrying uh, some water I, i'd done a pan of pasta and i went to go and tip it you know t- into the sieve or whatever it was and i threw it all over my foot and i was wearing a sock which i've found out afterwards is the worst situation because yeah. the boiling water basically cooks your fucking foot doesn't it mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. went rank and there's a long story about me i'm to fly to belfast with one flip-flop on and one shoe on the other side and this horrible puss foot but why don't you just wear both flip-flops it was cold, if I remember rightly. I think it was like in the middle of February. So I can't, there was a reason. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to make everyone think we've got a problem here. Um, but what was funny was someone said, you need aloe vera. And I was like, I've actually got aloe vera. So there's twice where that plant has just come in out of out of Westfield and been, there's been a reason I've been sat here on this shelf. You know what I mean? So yeah, <laughs> paying for itself. Yeah, please send us any times that you've had either a cat or a, a plant that you happen to have been growing that has saved you. Dan, any any spring to mind? I know that's a bit of an off the cuff one, but compete to mind. No, it was the, the, when you were talking. It reminded me of a scenario when I was uh, I just started at this restaurant, and um, you know those uh, coffee machines where you just con- that they have in American diners where they just constantly taking off those yeah. uh, filter coffee machines. We had one of them, and the girl had uh, pulled it off and pulled it all over her leg. And I was in the office doing my online training, just skiving, essentially. I'd, I'd, I'd literally been there two days. And um, and I heard some commotion after a few minutes. I went, Jesus, what, what's happened here? And I've got one of the girls with her leg rolled up with buttermilk, you know, you know, uh, rubbed all into a leg. Yeah. And I'm like, what is happening? What are you doing? And the... Um, and the, it was Czech, the head chef. He says, buttermilk. Buttermilk is best thing for, for burn. I was like... It was Scottish Czech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scottish Czech. And and I went, what are you talking about, you nutcase? Where have you learned that? You, you've got to cool it. Because, like, obviously, 
it's like meat, right? So yeah, yeah. if you if you burn meat, it sits there continuing to cook. So the only way to do it is have running water on it, where the water is constantly on top of the on top of the wound, and then that stops the cooking happening, right? Yeah. And and this poor girl is sat there, her skin's blistering up. It cost us a couple of thousand pounds in in damages, and I had a disciplinary three days into a new job because buttermilk, for a disclaimer, doesn't work on burns. Yeah, just, just just so you don't know, uh, Buttermilk just sat there like an asshole. Uh, you know, doesn't stop, you know, doesn't reverse the burning effects of uh, hot coffee, apparently. Probably makes your leg turn into some sort of, uh, I don't know, some 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 sort of beef steak, oh. and it just adds to, flavor into it. Yeah, to go back to episode four, it makes you look like Freddy Bloody Kruger. <laughs> if that is episode four, you've done well to remember it. Was it four? I think so, yeah. I think so. Uh, yeah, so that, I, I will stand by aloe vera because obviously you see it in all the sort of things and creams and lotions and stuff, don't you? But it's dead easy to look after for turning into garden as well. Just chuck a bit of water in. And sub sub question because I asked this to the people I work with who, who would care less than you, probably. When you grow your aloe vera, so basically we lived near these people years ago, and they had tons of them. Whenever you went down to the garage opposite our house, you look up and I say, "Bloody hell, you two have got a aloe vera. Shouldn't all the stuff grows like mad and I repot it? So do you want one?" I went, "Yeah, I'll call it Vera." And anyway, so Vera grew, and there's all these little ones popping out underneath, out of the soil, that start shooting. It's just what like, you want to uh, Like Audrey 2 in Little Shop of Horrors. Very much like that. Now, what happened was that um, in the end, she said, these things are this, and I went on YouTube, and it was the middle of, right in the middle of the pandemic, so I had a lot, lot else to do other than look after this plant. And the shoots that come out are called pups, which I thought was really bizarre. <laughs> For a kickoff, who's called these things pups? But you just take them out, put them in some new soil, then another one grows. Anyway, they all deed. So I had to go and see her years, a couple of years later. I went, you haven't got another one of them. She was actually it's from the same family, so I called it Vera too. I thought it's okay. Vera had a good run of kids. They all deed. <laughs> so yeah, Vera too is still sort of going strong. So if you ever need any pups, uh, you should put it on the in an advert in the paper. You know, someone, oh, we'll get you, we'll get you a dog. Sent to the little kid, go. I want a puppy. Oh, look at this, pups for free. Oh, we'll go and get one. Come back with this little green shoot in a tub. It's not what I was looking for, Dad. I was hoping for a cockapoo, you know? <laughs> well, you know so, welcome to Horticulture Chat with Ryan Freebree. Oh, <laughs> we're kind of just... I, I haven't listened back to the Robocop episode, but I bet it was different. I, I bet it was. I bet, that, I bet there's a lot less. Did you listen back to last week's talking about dogs and biscuits? I couldn't. There's bits There's bits about it. So Elliot's messaged me a few times because he's doing really well with his TikTok. And he said, like, oh, I'll help you lads out if you want to. Yeah, brilliant. And he said, you know, maybe you could do things that happen in the pod, you know, like one of you eat hair. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Dan can do that. Uh, am, I, am I still getting the 10 grand or the five grand well, as a result? I went out for a drink with Natalie. I did the gig on Saturday and she's out with some of her mates. She said, yeah, come and join us. So I did. And I got talking about something, one girl, a bit of hair in her mouth. I went, how much would you? Of course I did. I went, and she went, well, I just put it in a small ball. I went, no, 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 no. I've got to take it off someone's head. Why would you do that to that person? And it's funny because I've said it to about four people during the week since we did the pod. And the reactions have been, why would you do that? I'd be quite concerned yes. about that poor person. Two, I said, well, I think Dan mentioned he'd eat it with some bread. And everyone went, no, we don't want bread with hair. <laughs> so put I it actually, in a nice sandwich, bit of butter, laughing. What I think this should do is when we do do the TikTok, we'll not only recreate some classic scenes from the films we've done, but we also, anything random that comes up like, uh, I don't know, a vest that loops down like a, an ear or eating hair, we can recreate. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Might get Mylene class on. Um, so anyway, anything happened much this week? Uh, have you just about recovered since my ramblings last I wasn't in a good place last week. I've come back. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, honestly, if you listen last week, it sounds like we recorded it at 4am after no sleep for 36 hours or something. You know what I mean? Like, are, are you okay? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Do you need to speak to somebody? I genuinely questioned it, right? So I used to do a pod with my mate Scott, which is all about mental health. And it was kind of looking, and it was, you know, it was, it was lighthearted. It wasn't as, as dark as that can be, although there's some serious chat at times. But sometimes we'd have guests on, like Anthea Turner and people like that. And we had this amazing woman who had about four heart attacks and she'd gone through all this kind of stuff. And she's, uh, she's quite well known in what she does for like health books and stuff. And um, at one point I was asking her about her life and she just stopped the thing. Went, Are you all right, Ryan? And I went, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went, I'm sure. And like Scott had asked me at the start of each episode, out of 10, I went four. I mean, it was pandemic. I was living in Wales, 200 miles away from my daughter. And I was like, I wasn't. But I'd be going, yeah. And it became a therapy thing. And when you said it last week, I kind of sat there for about an hour afterwards, just going, am I all right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, much better this week. 
Um, anyway, so yeah, this this week uh, I've had my uh, I've had my backside handed to me by the police on four separate occasions. Oh, uh, you probably need to explain a bit of that as much as you can without people thinking you're yeah. an absolute wrong. Yeah, I um I work in a hospitality game, and uh, when uh, you know, for people who don't know, when when people you know you get knobheads, the wrongans, the people who watch these movies when they shouldn't have done, and they're now grown up and old enough to drink. Yeah. they go out to uh, they go out to bars and kick off. In fact, we referenced it last week actually, where you said a man's gonna come up and punch you in the face right of the bracket. Oh. And um, yeah, you know those lads when they kick off outside bars, it's my fault. I'm what they call the DPS. I'm, I'm the license holder. So in the eyes of the police, I've got them that pissed up. They're now transgressing, regardless of the fact that they're just fucking idiots in the first Outside place. Outside your place, though, isn't it? So why is it your beef? Well, this is this is the main concern we've got. Now, um, a lot of the people that we've had uh, we've had issue with, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a political guy, right? But a lot of people we've had issues with all, all, come, from, uh, all come from Albania. And there's a, uh, there's a there's a group of these guys that come in. And don't get me wrong. They spend a load of money. They have great form. They, they have a great time. But the police have clearly got some kind of thing where they kind of want to, where they want to say to me, hey, ban the Albanians. And I'm like, and they know that I'll go, you can't say that, guys. Like, come on now. Like, So I'm now pushing back going, give me the names of the people that you believe to be transgressing and I will happily ban them from my premises. But yeah. the, you know, you know, they just want to say, ban the Albanians, Dan. And, uh, Listen, no. Gregor. Yeah. Yeah. They're all called. Gregor. Start. <laughs> yeah. So they've been up your ass. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and now that I've, I, I, I called their bluff on it and now they have literally sent me a name, a list of 18 people all Albanian people that I've not got to ban from my venue. So they call my bluff on it. So uh, thanks, lads. Top police work. Has, has there been anything that you've learned from the 12 films we've watched so far that's, that's given you any idea? I mean, I'm thinking of um, First Blood, for instance, where, um, was it First Blood? Yeah, not Blood Sport. That's shit. You won't learn anything from Blood Sport, otherwise I had to, round, I had to do the splits near the police and get sweaty. But hey, have you learned anything from the 12 films about the way the police have dealt with any situations? I'm thinking Robocop or First Blood that you've <laughs> been so tempted to throw at the feds of Sussex. Yeah, like I like kind of go, I know how you guys work. I've seen Robocop. You're just working for the man. You know what I mean? I, I know I what you're doing. How you treated Sylvester Stallone in that cell. He, he, was, he had PTSD where it was, you know, yeah. alone. Yeah, yeah, it's given me a complete distrust of the uh, of the boys in blue now after watching uh, after watching Rambo one. Just give me one. This is a funny situation. So we, you know, for those who don't do the podcast, you have a few things going on. So I've got a Zoom meeting in the corner. We're down there. That's that down there. And, and I nearly did a voice that turned into yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and on the left, I have my notes, which is my intro and going through the film. Now behind it, I normally have like a a page with like IMDb which I've probably used for things like the director is and bits and bobs. Now, what's funny is there's a clip that's like running behind it. And all the time Dan was talking to me there, I was seeing Robin Williams as Popeye just constantly on loop, just jumping. <laughs> and sort of putting his head like that to the side. And I was just, I'm just going to have to move this because that is going to frustrate the shit out of me for the whole podcast. Right. There we go. Um, so let's, uh, let's have a little yam on about the film. Let's get in it. Let's get in it. This film, you, you said about the films, well, I say the films I wasn't allowed to see. I don't think this ever came up for conversation. I just don't. <laughs> because this is one of those which is, you know, like when we've done Robocop and stuff like that. Oh, ironically, heard a, a review of the new Robocop computer game this week on IGN. Okay. Podcast. I bet it's quite good, isn't it? I bet it's quite well received. Uh, it's, it's quite funny because now I've seen the film because it's set between two and three, apparently. It's set between right. those two films. And the girl who was reviewing it was saying, you move really slow. I was thinking, well, yeah, you can't crouch, things like that. And I was going, yeah. And then um, there was bits like, where, see, this is where this podcast comes into its own, because she said something about, you know, and you kill them big robots. I'm thinking, the ones that cry on the stairs, like babies. Yeah, because I know what they are now. And she said, <laughs> the thing is, there's no real jeopardy. You can't really, no one can really hurt you. You can just just kill everyone sort of thing. I was like, there's a bit of detective work. And I thought, I'm sort of weirdly into that game now because I've got the cultural reference. Um, I, uh, I, li I like the way that you're now that scene in the Avengers where Captain America goes, I got that reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am. I'm Steve Rogers from 1981. Um, so yeah, th this one, I don't think would have been any of that because it is very, very Star Wars-y. Obviously, it's three years after the first Star Wars and when the second one came out. Although, I'll come to this, it feels like it's a lot older. Um, mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. various reasons why I think that is. Um, so let's start off with uh, the things I knew before. The things I thought I saw, the things I knew before. Uh, so 
three of them on this one, unlike what well, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been Bloodsport when I said nothing. Uh, obviously, the music, uh, also, you know, quite a big fan of Queen, so I knew that they'd uh, done a lot of work on this film. I think there's a very famous picture of Freddie Mercury on the shoulders of Darth Vader wearing a Flash t shirt or some shit like that. So just coming on stage, you can't be Ed Sheeran just walks on his fucking shoes. Uh, that's a proper musician, Ed. Have a look at it. Um, so the music, obviously, no, because it's been used on every sodding advert in the world as well. That's the other thing when they kept going ding, 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 ding. I kept thinking someone's going to go flash for that bloody stuff that you put on the kitchen floor. Um, the other one is obviously Brian Blessed's Gordon's Alive. I'd heard that quite a few places. I knew of that cultural reference. And like I said at the end of last podcast, which is the one which I'll call the one where Ryan went a bit mad, uh, something in a tree that might bite your hand. Yep. Yeah, being scared of frogs. I thought it was a frog. And obviously, I mean, it's still not great what lives in there, but... We'll come to that in a bit. Uh, so over to you, Dan. Uh, when did you first see Flash Gordon and not Flesh Gordon? <laughs> I, it, uh, Flash Gordon uh, was one of those ones that was on late night. I mean, bear in mind, I'd have been nine years old. And this this movie is nearly 10 years old itself. So it had been on Network UK television premiere, the way they used to sell it back in the back in the 80s. And um, and yeah, I, I, I don't remember it being this janky, if I'm honest. So watching it back as an adult, uh, you know, I, I didn't really get the... You know, when you watch an old movie, like every time I watch Ghostbusters or Back to the Future, I still get that. God, I remember being a kid yeah. and watching this. Like that that first five minutes of Ghostbusters where that librarian ghost comes out. Still, I know what's coming in. I can still feel my heart pounding a little bit. Yeah. With this, I kind of went, oh, this is that film. Uh, the, the interesting thing that you brought up there was, uh, and I'm going to go early on this, uh, was when you mentioned the Gordon's Alive bit. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive. Because this, for me, has always been one of those collective uh, feelings, uh, what's now known as a Mandela effect. Because you'd have noticed in the movie that it wasn't Brian Blessed doing his normal Brian Blessed voice. It was kind of like a moment of incredulity where he goes, Gordon's alive. Yeah, and yeah, um, figures you, everyone does it. And everybody does the big loud voice because of, in the Queen song that was released, it's got the moment where Brian Blessed is shouting, Dive! During the final battle scene right. at the end. Yeah, and yeah. people have made that made that connection there. And uh, a lot of people do the big, Go on, and it's not, it's it's not, it's not that at all. No. Um, so do you, want to, do you want me to start off and then go to the tip bits? Or do you want to start chuck some of them in now? Or where, how are you feel? I, I, I tell you what, I'll chuck a couple in now to relevant what you were saying. So you mentioned Star Wars. And uh, this was brought out to rival Star Wars. Uh, you know, they, they've gone, that. wow, that that was a big weird hit. Let's uh, let's try and recreate it. So, you know, you've, you're in space, you've got the the big despot, you've got the you've got the plucky band of warriors trying to over overthrow and um and it was actually spawned by uh, by by Star Wars by the studio. And um and George Lucas actually had tried to get a Flash Gordon movie greenlit. And uh, and he couldn't get one because the, this studio already had the rights to it. So they thought, "Sod George Lucas, we'll do our own." And um, and so in order to to try and recreate Star Wars, not any other movie that tried to do it at the time. They actually they thought, right, what we're going to do is get somebody in that was in Star Wars or somebody that was involved in it. And they got a guy called Gilbert Taylor, who was uh, employed as the director of photography, who was also the director of photography on star wars so you know in terms of the feel of it and and the visuals you, you, that's probably why you've drawn that conclusion and then as a sidebar uh that I, I had to write his name down here uh there's a guy in it called porkins um porkins. red si red six in star wars oh yeah big fat one yeah and he's actually called porkins yep yeah plays uh the scientist yeah he's munson in uh oh. yeah see I, I know my star wars pretty well and i was like i when you said who that character was i thought it could only have been that bloke really yeah uh, yeah that was that's great in star wars actually it was just called porkins for no reason he's just a bloke who looks like he's eating all the donuts bless him um so obviously i knew that flash gordon had heritage of being an old thing i was just checking out there when you say it's actually 1932 i think the comic strip first came out 34 mm -hmm. so i knew it was originally an old comic strip and i knew that it also had its uh, I was just trying to see where this was here. I think it was in the 40s or 50s where you, it then did become uh, like a TV show, a serial. A yes. In space. Yeah. Uh, under the Giants. God, he's so under the Giants. Um, just used to be on Sundays around the same time as Wurzel Gummy. I just thought it was great. That everything was just massive. It was like a thing called, 
I'm going to get this really wrong now, but if you went on the Granada Studios tour in Manchester in the 80s, you used to go around this thing. It was called something like Flight to the Gazelle or Flight to the Antelope or something like that. It was a kid's TV show where everything was big and you could stand next to these chairs, which are absolutely massive. You know what I mean? You were like the side. And then the cat comes in the top of the room. A little paw comes in. Yes, that could, I'm going to I'm going to look it up now. Okay, while you're while you're looking it up, I'll tell you one more Star Wars uh, fleshy fact. Uh, the costumes actually uh, are very similar because it was trying to recreate Star Wars. Ergo, the red henchman with the different weird little Cuba mask—they're essentially Star Wars. They are Star Wars costumes with a different head on. Yeah, because that they that was. See, I was getting proper geek on this because they look quite a lot like the Imperial Guards, who are the yes. Emperor's Guards, but they don't. You don't see them in Star Wars until. Empire, which is 1980, the same year as this film. So that's mm-hmm. why it's a bit of a is this a bit of a crossover? Because there's some bits of it you're going, that's clearly nicked off Star Wars, the amount of gold and shiny like C3PO. But do you know what this does give you absolute kudos for Star Wars with is that I say this is three years after uh A New Hope episode four. Um and just it's so shonky in terms of some of the effects compared to what Star yeah. Wars did. You, you look at the like the, the the fights with the X Wings and the Tie Fighters and the and the running on the Death Star's trench system and everything like that. Even the bits within space because it's very much lent on, um, you know, two thousand one Space Odyssey and stuff like that, which was before they even went space, wasn't it? Before they got to the Moon Kubrick. Um, and there's that's that's really good quality for me. This is just very much shonk, but. The thing I was making the point about about the cartoons, because it does hail from that cartoon strip kind of uh, TV series, bubblegum, kind of like a Robin Hood in space in lots of ways. Mm-hmm. I kind of gave it a lot more leeway than I think I probably would have done. Yeah, when you, I, I think it sets its stall out early with the opening credits. So there's a lot of flashes of, um, of Flash Gordon's going to save the world. And it's got yeah. those little sound bites in it. And it's got strips from the comic flashing across the screen and That's stuff brilliant. like that. I really like that. I, I, I loved that because I really loved that old artwork. And and then when it came on, I thought, okay, I, I know where it sits now. I've got no real, you know, like we, we've gone back to a couple of the horror movies and they look like, God, this was meant to be scary for people back in the day. And you start secretly judging them. I, I didn't. I, I kind of went, right, this didn't set itself up. But this, this was in, in it's supposed to be a camp comic book movie. So you kind of go, okay, what you got? It's dated as well as the thing, right? Yeah. So where... If you see the Marvel strip at the start, it goes dun 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 dun. It flicks through not only some images from the films, but also well, do you know what? It's maybe it's more the films now because I've got so many films to do. But it used to flick through like comic book images of Thor, Wolverine, or if it might have been back in the day. This is only doing that. It's a very similar thing. I actually really thought it was done quite well. When it starts, mm. it is a bit shonky. It's because it's 1980. However, Empire Strikes Back is still stunning. And so is like episode four. So there is a bit of it. I'm sure there's plenty of other films people are screaming at going, actually, that looked really good in 1980 as well. Or Alien wasn't far away from this, was it, in terms of the year that was? No. Um, but I think Alien, as we discussed, kind of went smaller on it. It was yeah. Alien is a lot like an escape room. Whereas this is going, look at all this shit. It reminded me at times about never ending stories, some of the stuff with the skies they did. And someone's got a I've got this effect where I can make the sky look like ice cream and ink. Use it all the fucking time. All the time. Every <laughs> shot you've got. Let's use it as a as a bit in the story where we can electrify the clouds. But anyway, do you know what? I started off this film where I thought I'm gonna because normally I've realized that these are quite bad st- spoilers, our podcast. We basically go through the whole fucking film. Yeah, I mean, to warn anyone, that's the best bit about but they it. are 40 years old. I mean, come on now, I don't, I don't well, really give a shit. Yeah, that's why we didn't do that with The Flash, was it? And said about, you know, when so-and-so turned up. Um, But like with this with this one, I started off doing that, and I thought, I can't help myself. Because some of the some of the points that come up, I might just forget. And I'm actually starting to become worried that I can't watch films without writing it down in terms of forgetting things now, because it's what I do. Uh, but in the premise of it, uh, the, the, it starts off with, with basically what I've written as a weather menace, Ming. Ming, Ming the Merciless, uh, played by Max von Sydow, has, well, he, I've got to get this out of the way as well, Dan. I know I've started. And I, I keep looking at this thing on my hand thinking I need some aloe vera. Um, there's a really funny sketch from, was it Big Train that was Nick Pegg, uh, Simon Pegg, Nick? Nick God, Frost. Nick Frost. And some other British comedians of the type, wasn't there? Right uh, they were in separate ones. Simon Pegg was in Big Train, yeah. Nick Frost was in Manstroke Woman. It's one of them where it's got the bloke who he's the guy I think who plays the weird bloke who turns up at the door in dinner. Yes, that's Big Train. Right. Okay. So Big Train's got Ming the Merciless in, right? Yep. And he's just there hoovering his house in a normal two up, two down. You've probably seen this sketch before, but he stayed with me forever because I obviously had seen Max von Sydow's Ming 
to recognize the character when I saw this in the 90s because otherwise I'd have gone, who the fuck is that? It was like Satan. You know what I mean? It looks like a camp Satan. Yeah, yeah. And he picks up the, the phone rings. He's doing the hoovering. He switches the hoover off, goes over to the phone, lifts it up. Mm-hmm. 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 Throw him in the pit of eyes. <laughs> and then he just puts the phone down and goes about hoovering. And that's the sketch. <laughs> it absolutely rattled me at the time. I was just like, that's brilliant. Just in the middle of his hoovering, Ming just wants him in the pit of ice. And early on in this, there's something where he said, he's approaching the sea of fire. And I was like, there he is. <laughs> that's the kind of... <laughs> so this same Ming is just pissing around with the weather on Earth. And he's just like laughing at things going, <laughs> earthquakes. That's this one. And there's only one button under each one. You know, see all that kind of shit. But what got me Mark, was... Mark what? Heap. Mark Heap, his name was. Uh, he's, he is the guy from uh, from Friday Night Dinner. And he's also the guy in Big Train that walks in and goes, listen, guys, we've had some complaints. Uh, we're going to have to cut down the wanking. And it's one of the best sketches. If you ever get the opportunity to Google any right. sketch, yeah. I'd recommend you the wanking office one from Big Train. There's so many of Big Train, I think, and that and um, and those periods. Uh, what's the other one? Man... Man hit woman was it or which one was it? Man stroke woman and stroke uh, one, woman. the best the best one in it again they're on a bus and uh, one of them just just kind of goes you know we belong together and then by the end of it everybody's singing the neighbors theme tune by by the end it's getting it's so funny so I, funny it's pulled down that was home and away but it's fine um shit yeah of course. Don't worry, it's, it's only because I fucking adore that theme. That theme tune's got some really good chord turns in that I actually once learned it to do it at open mic night. So I was, and everyone sung the fucking thing. Brilliant. Anyone knows that tiny bit. So yeah, uh, what comes at Earth first is hot hail. It's something I've never heard yeah. of. I was like, well, I've heard of all these others. Volcano. Oh, that's pretty grim. Earthquake. And it must be quite good sitting there pressing the buttons says earthquake and going, ah, you bastards. But this is a. Uh... This is where you get your first weird bit because uh, later on in the movie, I'm just going to skip ahead briefly. Um, Max von Sydow's uh, Ming the Merciless goes, oh, it's this insignificant little planet in the middle of nowhere. But he's also got a button that goes earthquake. Well, where do you, why, where'd you get the name for that from, Ming? If, we, if we're not that important to you. Yeah, that's Clown. a good point because he's got a whole, list of, a whole yeah. list of things that can only affect that planet. Yeah. It's like having a thing called Rotherham Volcano. Yeah. And 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 they go well. We can't use that in Wigan. <laughs> Kimberworth's just gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, hot hail's coming down. Flashes on the plane. He, well, he's it's a bit of a. You, you're trying to remember the time as well. So it's like, oh, he's sitting in his car. This good-looking bastard. And all of a sudden, this car comes up with a bird. He gets out. There's oh, his bird. As he's thinking, there's a bird. She gets on the plane. Then he jumps on it. At first, I was thinking, hey, oh, is this up? Because why has he just jumped on the plane? What's the relationship? And then he's on the plane with just her. Uh, she's something like his. Dale Arden is kind of like his uh, promoter or something. Because I, the thing is, I clocked before. I didn't know pre the things I knew before. I didn't know he was a footballer. I didn't know he was meant to be an American footballer. What the character or the or the actor? The character. So when she yeah. sat down, I spied his uh, New York Jets green bag that went behind. I thought, hey, oh, he's a Jets fan. No, he plays for them. Okay, but then he's also got Flash written on his top. So I was like, is he a wrestler? Why would he have a? Yeah. Shot? It, it, He's got like a Rowdy Roddy Piper t-shirt on, hasn't he, with his own name and, and logo on the back. Um, in the comic book, he was actually a polo player, Flash Gordon, and they changed it to uh, quarterback for the New York Jets. Oh, his quarterback as well, was he? Of course he was. Yeah, that's right. It's just like well, Dan, the, Dan Marino when, with Dan on. Yeah, yeah. And then when you skip forward this movie in about 10 minutes' time, they drive home the football player thing really well. They do not. Um, so, yeah, the Flash has a, has a crash in the plane. And I've written here fifties TV show. It's all just very bizarre. Um, and then all the because his plane comes through because Doctor Zarkov, uh, he's he's having a bit of an issue. He's trying to he's trying to get off because he's gone. I've been telling you a lot for ages with Porkington, his mate. There, you said uh, there's a bit there's all these problems, and it's not. He's one of them blokes who's going. Everyone's going. It's just phenomenal weather. We're having really bad luck with earthquakes and shit. No, no, it'll be aliens attacking us. So obviously he's locked up in his. In his, uh, do you know what the models were quite good at that part when you saw his his yeah. uh, bit? I thought that looked, that looked almost a bit like Jurassic Park. Three. They looked a bit Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to me. Just uh, the Great Glass Elevator scene. It looked a bit, uh, you know, like uh, what's the what's the bit where they burp and they go up that fan and then uh, it's Charlie and his uh, granddad when they're taking the uh, laughing gas thing, the, the yeah. burpy, the yeah, burpy floaty pop. So he, Porkington won't go with him. So the thing comes blasting through the bloody thing. It crashes, doesn't it? The old I put sweet space effects. Now I don't know if I was being ironic there, uh, but you know, they need to. He needs to. They need to use the phone. They've crashed their plane into his house. We need to use a phone. Oh, there's a phone in this rocket. All right. 
We'll use it. Just keep your foot on that red button. I've got you now. Here's a gun. Oh, fuck. And it all goes off. High jinx, caper. Off they go. There is no phone. Uh, so they're off. Can you imagine that, though? You've had a plane crash because all the sky's gone red. You know, Jesus Christ, we're having a plane crash. We've survived. Oh, yeah, the pilots have disappeared. Because Ming, I forgot about that, Ming's face just comes out of the sky and goes, Wah! comes at it really quick, and they've disappeared. And then you do crash, and you think, God, I've survived. Thank God for that. And then what happens? There's a bloke there who puts you in a rocket and fires you up to the moon. Yeah, we're, we're back, back in the, the air again. He's, I mean, I guess it's the bubble gum. So we go past the sea of fire, and you see a lot of golden lads. At this point, I've just written campers tits. <laughs> the whole thing's camp. We can't keep referencing the campness of it because we'll, we'll be here all day. I've dropped it once. And now here comes one of my unsung heroes. They never speak. Uh, you see a few of them. One of probably the most frightening faces you're going to see. Uh, and there's a bit where they've they've walked into what seems to be uh, almost a tribute thing towards Ming and yes. all different people and tribes are coming and offering them shit. And then they said something like, quick, get that lizard man. And there's a lizard bloke who just gets shot. When he just like disappears. It's like, okay, that's not good for whoever that lizard man was. He's gone. You do yeah. see, I'm going to give them the award now. So you see the lizard men in a cage getting nearly drowned. You get told at one point, quick, get him out of here before the lizard men come to take his body away. And what I did realize with this is you've got the, we'll come to it later on, the hawk men, the lizard men, and we'll come to the others as well because I've, I've made a little uh, discovery about this. Uh, but the lizard men, when you see them, their faces are open with almost like fangs and they've got a red mouth, but inside the red mouth is their eyes. Uh, the best way I can describe it is like in Beetlejuice where Gina Davis tries to make herself look scary, like a shit version of that. Yeah, and, and really rubbery. And I don't think the eyes move. I don't think they're real. I think no, they're, they're, they're the mouth. They're, the shot when they're getting lowered into the swamp kind of shows off the shonkiness of those costumes. So this is why this this bit for me is always quite good to write it out because my my I can see now a mistake I've made early doors that changes even here. I've put the hawk chaps and the royal lads give a tribute. And I've put Blessed and Dalton are here and Golden Face. Okay. Um, so let me just see, because there's a, there's a man here that when he died, I think it was 2018, this chap died, and I thought, and they said it on the news, like, a, oh, and uh, Peter Wingard has uh, passed away, the actor Peter Wingard. And I saw him, I thought, my God, look at that man's face. He's an interesting looking mother flipper. It was 2018, so it wasn't that long ago. And then I started reading about him. Paul Peter Paul Wingard was born at home of an aunt in Marseille. I was like, oh, yes, his father's work as a member of the British Diplomatic Service. I was like, oh, yes. And I'm okay. he looks very much like the kind of person that, uh, Julian Barrett would play out of the bush, you know, that kind of like, um, I think he did do like a film recently where he was something like that, Sparrowhawk or something ridiculous, you know, that kind of schmaltz yes. looking, yeah, that kind of thing. And Peter Wingard has got that chocolate voice behind that golden, almost Vader-esque mask. And I was like, I recognize that voice. And it turned out it was a man I was briefly obsessed with, Peter Wingard. So you've met him, you've met Dalton, you've met Blessed. So all the voices are kicking in here. Actually, Dalton's quite low-key next to them too. I Blessed, think... I think Max von Sydow, 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 is excellent in this movie. I, I, I genuinely think he he played that the best he could. He didn't add any campness to it. He just played big commanding bloke. Campness. Well, I, I kind of, I, I think he embraced it really well. I kind of, I kind of liked it. I, I was like, you know what? Fair, fair play. And Brian Blessed praise. Well, Brian, Brian Blessed. And I think that. Uh, Timothy Dalton was perfect casting for this role because it is, like you said in the intro, it's a, it's a Robin Hood character, isn't it? And it's kind of dashing and you expect a, a Robin Hood man in tights kind of ping on the teeth when uh, every time he smiles. He's Errol Flynn. He's basically Errol yes. Flynn. Good looking. He is Errol He's Flynn. got that pencil tash. He's wearing exactly Robin Hood sort of stuff. Um, at this point, I just, I say, Max von, um, sorry, Peter Wingard's character whose name I've bloody forgot. I wrote it down twice. Good. Yeah, just while Ryan's looking that up, it's the Wurzel Gummidge-looking geezer stood next to Brian Blessed with the big hair, the big oh. skinny tall man. No. It is. No, Clytus, who is got the one with the gold face, that's Peter Winger. What, the one with the pink bunky nose? The, the, the main general lieutenant of Ming with the golden oh. face. Oh. The one whose jaw moves when he talks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Peter Wingard. Yeah, the one who looks like um, Pertwee. I, I didn't look who the other that was. That was bothering me quite a lot. I kept thinking that's Pertwee, that. 
I recognise him as P, as, as Pertwee, as, as Wesley Gummidge, and I was like, is, is that him? I, I should have looked it up, to be fair, but I was looking up other other such uh, other such things as the fact that Sam Jones's dialogue is um, is dubbed because it couldn't act for shit. Oh, is it? Well, all of it. I didn't notice. Uh, did you notice uh, at I all? Did. Well, again, the the copy I was watching was slightly behind anyway, so it was, I didn't really notice that much anyway. But yeah, no, they uh, they Darth Vader him, motherfucker. But well. Did they have to Darth Vader him when someone threw him an egg and went, he were to fight now because he's an American footballer. Now he's got an egg in his hand. He'll take, yeah. oh my God, the fighting in that was shite. <laughs> so uh, dur- during this scene then, if I, re- if I remember correctly, there is, a, there is a group of chaps who happen to be dressed like American football players. They've got like little helmet heads on. Shoulder pads, they- yeah. They've got the big shoulder pads. They, they look like, uh, you know... Uh, like Iron Man crossed with the Legion of Doom from WWF. And yeah. uh and and there's a bit of a tussle and and it's like Flash going and can't fight until the uh, until the professor goes ER Flash and throws him an orb uh, uh, you know that looks like a, a large uh, Fabergé egg. Yeah yeah. And it's like and now all of a sudden because he has a ball in his hands he knows how to tussle now. He knows how to fight and then they literally set up in a formation uh, of an O line of a D line. <laughs> that he can run through and just start uh, tackling people. Who are you? Flash Gordon, quarterback, New York Jets. But this is it. Like, I mean, I've seen a bit of American football well, once in the States and, you know, watch it every now and then. And, and I saw oh, my team Washington have changed the name or my team Washington are now shit again. So I don't really get, they, they don't go very far. 1987 was a long time ago. Um, so I, I, my interest is, I roughly know, I played a bit of Madden back in the day. But for me, a quarterback sometimes has a scramble, yep. sometimes goes for a runabout, but yep. they're not normally doing all that. So it's there, kind of like there's it's, no rough and tumbling like, from the quarterback. You shouldn't be throwing that freaking thing, but someone should be going Hail Mary all of a sudden or trying to pull something. You know, your WB is making a run around the outside. But I, I, I felt that watching this scene thinking, that's a lot of tackling for a quarterback. And it's like the director realized halfway through, wait, hang on, he, he plays what position? He Did plays quarterback. Shit. Get let, get some more of these Fabergé eggs. Let's chuck it to him. And he could just start pumping them into these geezers. Because <laughs> what the quarterbacks, they don't do the tackling, no? No? It's like the director's never seen a game of American football his life and gone, oh, shit. Let's get some more of these big things so he could just use them as a projectile, which is what he should have done right from the start if he was that bloody good. But you, he's, the quarterback, when it comes down to combat, isn't that much use unless he's throwing grenades because... He just throws to people generally, generally yeah. hands off to. So uh, without going too deep into that, they've kind of picked the wrong guy. They should have picked like a frontline D player, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. There comes a point here where I think it's uh, Ming says the words lying bitch, which came out of nowhere. He, dro- he drops it into, uh, oh God, I didn't write the next bit after. I think it's Dale. It's just about lying yeah. bitch. And I was like, oof, didn't expect that. Oof. Flash ends up gassed in pants looking like some out of Rocky Horror. Yep. Hold that thought for someone turning up later on. Richard O'Brien must have been watching the production of this film going, did you see Rocky Horror that I made? You've got a blonde <laughs> bloke in small pants. Oh, you've got me in this film as well. Fucking brilliant. Okay. So yeah, he gets gassed in his Rocky pants and gets brought back from the dead um, by the doctor. Who, you don't, I thought there'd be more of that doctor. You know, the one who's working for Ming. He just puts yep. some serum in and goes, this is for to age or journey, whatever it might be. And then he has a chat with her going, God, the things I've done. He's basically said, look, I love tapping you. I'll do anything yep. for you. To the princess. Yep. Feeling or anything else we're going to say. Um, and then you don't really, oh no, because he gets killed, I think. It's been a traitor. That's probably why. Anyway, I'm getting to this point that I thought was really funny in a minute. So bring him back from the dead. And then she tries to make out it's all because of magic. Old princess aura. The bit that goes in between this, because there's a lot of uh, exposition around here. And they're both wearing red leather all of a sudden. Or oh, thing always fits him. Oh, you need to wear these clothes. So you match with yeah. Also, there's a lot of the outfits which do look a lot like episode one and things Natalie Portman wore when she was Princess Amadala. I will throw that in there. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of there's a lot of references to stuff. But then do you know what? There is also, I was thinking, because there's some girls who come in at some point, like the concubines, when Dale's getting ready for like the third time to have sex with Ming. Mingin. And the girl's got like these dangly bits off this headdress. And I thought, God, that looks just like Queen of the Naboo. And I thought, well, it's because of all copied like Chinese headdresses and stuff like that. That's yeah. what it is. That's the down the middle but there's a bit where the doctor who i do like dr zarkov is having his brain wiped do you remember this yep yep, yep, yep. under the big james bond looking laser thing yeah very golden eye in it and the best bit did you see the bit about hitler yep 
and and then it cuts to the guy and he goes, "No, he was a promising guy or something." To that was, hmm. Now he showed some promise. <laughs> he showed. No, show, he showed no. promise, and that's just a throwaway line. Where I was like, "Okay, that's just a just a little tat of the hat that these guys know Hitler and think he's solid." Okay, so when you think about that, right? Think of that as a line, right? Think of that as a line. Now, what year is this movie? 80. 80. So the Second World War has only finished 35 years prior. So imagine running that line on something from something like 1988. Do you know what I mean? It just seems a little bit too fresh in the memory for some people by this time. And it, for yeah. me, I found it quite shocking for some reason. The most shocking moment. Because Peter Wingard with his golden face on. What's funny is Peter Wingard's white, or probably has a tan at the very at the very best. They've obviously like got the these faces all very darker and eyes like Batman does, you know, with the cowl eyes kind of thing, mm. and a bit of gold as well. So he looks even creepier with it because you're like, what's his skin like under there? What's he doing? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's bits I'll go over here. Basically, telepathy with Dale. He starts speaking to her like that, and none of this actually really gives a fucking. It doesn't matter anyway. Nope. One bit is quite funny is where Dale escapes. So she's she's got out by realizing that some poor sap. She's meant to have some drink or something to make it so she doesn't remember so easily about the fact she's about to have sex with Ming. And the fact mm -hmm. these girls keep telling her this sounds like he must have some really bad moves or some bad shit going down. All these girls like you won't want to remember it. <laughs> I mean, we've all met people like that, haven't we, Dan? Well, you know, when I was young, I need the money. But it's like, what's funny is she swaps with this girl and he comes in. I, I can't help it because you're kind of letting us go there. So he comes in and you basically need a bomb to go, wow, wow. And he's like, all right, I'm going to lay some, lay some, uh, some, <laughs> lay some cable. He's going to shit on her. Um, each to their own thing. But he's got like a big thing on. He just takes his, takes the belt off just around the outside. It's just more of a ceremonial. That's me ready. And I just thought, because when he did that, I thought, is he going to get his bollocks out? <laughs> I thought, surely not. He's not going to drop the, he's not going to chuck out a couple of kiwi fruits right now. But I thought, how's that aided your access? Because you still seem to have something. Anyway, so he rubs his hand up and sees it's someone else and she's cocked off. Now, this is where it gets funny. So she's, she's carrying her shoes. And these are the more the things that I like looking at these films about than how shit they looked. She's got a pair of heels in her hand, like gold heels. And she's, She's like got fingers around the back of them, you know, like girls doing the walking. And she's like chucked them down near a wall because you can see one of them red snouty boats coming along. I thought, all right, yeah, good shout. Barefoot's probably best. You wouldn't want heels in there. It's very hard flooring. Bloke comes round. She does a bit of a whistle, the old classic, like that. Ends up getting his gun, shooting him, and he turns into smoke. She's like shocked. She's like, fuck me. And then she gets another one, pow, smoke. And then the third one, she decides to go to the midriff with the gun. I'll tell you what, Dan, if I realized I had a gun that could turn people to smoke, I'm never using it in a melee format, as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> but then she puts her shoes back on. I'm like, leave them off. Yeah, a few I've just, I, do you know what? I've just, I've, just, I've just thought, actually, I've just remembered a scene. You were talking about the escape. And there's a bit just before they, um, just before they erase the professor's mind or, or attempt to, that she's kind of... That uh, Flash is being snuck out of his uh, of his cell, and that as they're walking along, her and the princess, uh, there's like a uh, a conveyor that they get on, and they're like, "I'm in a hurry, I'm in a hurry." And here is a piece of floor that is designed to make you move a lot quicker in real life, right? And yeah. they just go, "Oh wow, we're on the conveyor. Let's just stop here then for a bit." And then realize that there's these three big open windows to their right hand side that's got Ming in there. And he yeah. goes, oh, my God, there's a professor. Fam, get on your heels. Get out of there. <laughs> it's called creating the tension, isn't it, Dan? Just stood still on, on, on what people call now the travelator. I, I couldn't be part of making these films because I would be going, I like you took your shoes off. Yeah, I like your work there. But don't put them back on. Clip-de-clop. And you've also just gone from a nice padded foot, your heel, to an actual stiletto heel. It's not it's not a good look. Um so he's like you say, Zarkov's fate. I loved it when he'd done that. I was like, yeah, that's a good move. That because uh, you only liked it because it mentioned the Beatles. Well, I, it was the third because I couldn't, if I remember rightly, my, my thing started like stuttering when he did it, and I had to go back to listen to what he said again. But I just like the the list of things he said. I think he said Mozart, I you know Einstein. I was thinking, yeah, that's right. The Cerebrals won. I like that. It wasn't just like you know, I just uh, followed that Ant Middleton and uh, learned how to be a proper geezer. You know what I mean? That kind of like geezer shit that people talk about. You know, blokes this day seem to this thing about. Back in the, it was the tribal tattoos and you know just fucking geezer shit. I like it when cerebrals win personally. Anyway, um, fuck them. Telepathy with Dale. Told you about that. Guns. Ewok Village. They turn up at here. Yep. 
And we're nearly getting yep. to this bit. Oh, more poor lizard men getting in flash in a swamp. But first of all, we've got the hands in the scorpion thing, the Shearwood initiation, as I'm going to call it, uh, yep. with a dude off Blue Peter. Yep. That is definitely a bloke off Blue Peter. Pete, That's uh, Peter Duncan from Blue Peter, yes. He was like when I was a kid. And uh, Richard O'Brien's rocked up as well, uh, which I do like when he's playing his little flute for uh, Timothy Dalton later on, uh, because I'm thinking, I remember him doing the harmonica an awful lot in the Aztec zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I... I love Richard O'Brien. I don't. I, I kind of look at him and go, "How did you get here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How? What was your break? I'd love to know what his story was. Because I mean, let's be fair, right? He's essentially a, a a featured extra in this movie, but yeah. not two or three years prior, he's written one of the biggest, weirdest, bloody things that anybody's ever seen. That's all of a sudden become this smash hit, mm. right? And then he becomes a featured extra in a movie, and then. Ten years later, he's a host on a game show. Like I'd love to know, like what? We what a this, weird. Yeah, ah. the Rocky Horror is the one because a lot of people don't realize that he wrote every bit of it, which I think is mm-hmm. wonderful. I just it's. But I remember there was a quote as well about Bowie, something saying like, "If uh, glam, if glam rock was a musical, it was Rocky Horror." It like summed up as zeitgeist in the feel of you know early seventies and God knows what. Um, but also, yeah, he was in with that. But also, I think they did a second one called Body Heat. Rocky Horror. Yeah, there is two. I've seen it, um, but yeah, for us growing up in the uh, sort of like, oh, it must have been early nineties, wasn't it? The Crystal Maze was just, just always wanted to go and see it, always wanted to be around it. And oh, I remember my dad always going, "Yeah, I'd like to go and have a look around in there." And it's like it really intrigued him. The, uh, the Crystal Maze is interesting actually because what it did, and I never really picked up on it when I was a kid. It's only something that you realise later on in life that these are the same people. You know, these tough, rich, well-to-do. Fucking idiots! They were all uh, that, fucked, weren't they? I just thought about that. That that they get on the Apprentice, you know, yeah. you know the these type of self unaware knobheads, and 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 when you watch an old episode of the Crystal Maze back, they all worked in IT, they all worked as as systems developers, and they, the they were like, and yeah, and they all work in a bank, and and they had no real idea, and and it's a thing I've said for years, and I've, probably a lot of people have made this 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 connection a lot of times is that. People who are mega smart that get these mega smart jobs don't really have any real what you'd refer what our parents would have called common sense back in the eighties. Street just, smarts, yeah, all that you know, something something like that. So if you ever get to go to the Crystal Maze experience that they've got all over the country, there's one in Angel in London, and you get there and they've recreated the Crystal Maze. You get to wear the jackets, you get in the dome. One of the best things I've ever done in my life, you know, Apparently nostalgia. I'm never going to get to do it because all my friends have bloody done it, aren't they? nostalgia just pouring in and um and, and you get in it and and you go well this is really fucking easy <laughs> like what were these kids doing oh fuck it then i'm not bothered if it's too easy you don't want it too easy do you no there's some that make you think don't get me wrong but the physical ones specifically you can just bludgeon your way through mm. uh the, the ones where you really had to think and the ones where you had the actors and you had to solve riddles and stuff like that there's a bit of thinking there don't get me wrong the uh the more cerebral ones, but but yeah, if you get the opportunity to go, it it you kind of go. The people who were on this show for a good ten years were fucking stupid. I'm gonna leave it, Dan. I'm gonna leave it in my memory that it was harder than it was because I tell you what, if it's just, I'll be there going, it's killed. I like to see it all, but I'll be like, I'd say most people have gone. Like I'd probably do it with Nat and people, and she's already been. You've already been. It's like I've only got like four mates. Um, so. <laughs> More lizard men, daddy da, aura torture. Oh, this is it. So aura gets found out, Princess Aura, that she's been doing shit. And and he says, Bring me the boar worms. And she goes, Not the boar worms. And you don't yes. get to see them. But it, uh-huh. the image, these worms were like going, and then in 1955, the government levied the tax on <laughs> God, these worms are so boring. In my head, they were like the worms from uh, Wrath of Khan in Star Trek, where oh, they put put it in your ear. I was I, I in my head, they looked like that. No, I'm having it. I'm, it's a bit like in uh, what we do in the shadows, where there's the vampires and there's a bloke who's from called Colin, who's an energy vampire, and he just sucks yeah. people's energy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm having that the boar worms were like that. And then you know the Piccadilly line wasn't originally meant to be where it's faced because uh, I don't mind conversations that start like that. It's when people don't either let you in or or ask a question. Well, no, no, I was just saying that actually in 1957. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's where it gets boring. I don't mind new information at all. I've had conversations with people about things, as you can probably well imagine, people who don't know me, that are on any fucking subject. I can, you know, depending on mood, I can go with most things. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That and was that, you know, but 
Oh yeah, okay. But it's when it's just non-stop, Dan. You know the one I'm on about. Well, those people at campsites are like. And then she said that really the motor wasn't working because, you know, I mentioned earlier on my brother John. It was yeah, you know what I mean. It's a good thing to do a podcast to recreate a boring person. But <laughs> I was going to say after after this episode, we're, we're, you know, I can't believe your name is going to be the ballworms, isn't it now? Like, I'm going. I've got to get these other bits because we're actually running right out of time. Yeah, we're 50 minutes in and we've only done 20 minutes in the movie. Let, well, let's well, get through it. Yeah, but to be fair, Dan, the last however long of this film is him approaching a castle. With lasers, and he doesn't seem to get any closer. And that clock that says three minutes twenty, that is not on. You know, that, someone, someone is calling timeouts on that shit. The quarterback probably nine minutes forty three. Thank you. I did wonder, and even the fifteen seconds when he's coming out to kill Ming, I'm thinking, well, that's gone. Yeah, that's gone. Anyway, yeah. And do you know what my time my time relation to it is? When you're doing a plank or something, and you've timed it to yourself, and you're thinking, and I've got this annoying thing that I do a little like seven minute thing workout, and it says you are halfway. And in my head, I roughly know what that is. But do you know what? Them last five seconds. <laughs> so you get quite good with timings, don't you? And this is great. Ming's dead. Anyway, uh, so yeah, he looks like Errol Flynn. Uh, but this is the bit that got me. There's a bit where he's uh, escaped from the cage with Richard O'Brien's help, and he goes up to yep. like, the main tree area where that scorpion thing is in the horrible. And um, it's something that uh, Timothy Dalton says. He said, Ah, you're up here, one of the tree men. I went, you're right. It turns out they're called the tree men. That's what they're. And I was like, do you know what? I've just realized something about this. They're Brian, all dressed like your mascot. Well, Brian Blessed is basically looking after the owls. And Timothy is <laughs> looking after them tricky trees. It's the amalgamation of Forrest and Sheffield Wednesday we've all been waiting for, uh, taking down the evil that is either Derby County or Sheffield United in the form of Ming the Merciless. Gosh. <laughs> well, well wow, you're, that's, you're not the whole. That's a stress. I, that, that's that's a, a leap I've never thought. I, I'd have said more Crystal Palace is Brian Blessed, but you know what I mean? I get it. I get but it. Tree men, definitely. And do you know what is quite nice as well? The thought that because you've, you know, you could segue this into doing your other podcast where I, at this point, go, when's he need a new uh, manager? Who could it be? Brian Blessed. Do, 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 do. And I was like, what the fuck? Was alive. Yeah. Wednesday, you're alive. Carvajal, returning. Uh, anyway, so uh, there's a, to, to sum it up, I'll do this as quick as I can, and Dan can jump in at the end of it when he fancies it. So, Flash wins the tree game, Errol Flynn. Flash is in a bog, being eaten by a paper bag spider. D- Dale and Flash reunited. Whip fight. Bastard! I've put in exclamation marks. That's because there's one point where he um, <laughs> fucking blessed starts some spikes coming through, and Dalton goes, bastard. I was thinking, if this was in Doncaster, yeah, bastard, yeah. was. Fucking spikes coming out floor. Freeze! The bloody bastards! Um, Clytus ends a bit grim. Old Goldhead, he falls on it. His eyes come out. Mm. And his tongue, it's like really over the top. Peter Wingard mm. is better than that, being born in mass there. Uh, yet again, Flash always seems to get a new vest from somewhere. Every there is a wonderful is. costume change for no reason, isn't there? Like, he, he's got like a leotard on, and then he goes missing. Uh, Ming turns up doesn't he? And then he comes out in a new outfit with a little gold emblem on. Where's that from? But Ming also has a point where he comes out with two circles on his nipples there's no real need for. So there's always a sexual undertone. Um, then flashes on his, what is, I found out it's actually called a Hawkman rocket cycle. Yep. Because he went, he's approaching on a Hawkman rocket cycle. Did you, do you remember, right, Do you, this is going to be a weird one. Do you remember um, He-Man used to have a similar sort of device? Uh, and you used I to, do. Yeah, like a silver thing, smaller though. And it, and it always made the same the same noise, yeah, or something oh, like that, know, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, and and I and I remember thinking, do you do you reckon that image of him coming over the hill on his uh, uh, through the air on his on his rocket side? Do you reckon someone watched He Man and went, yeah, that let's do that other way around? Surely He Man's got to be after this. This is eighty. That's what I mean. Somebody making He Man's gone. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll have a Go bit of fuck that. it. We'll just do that. Yeah. We'll nick a bit of that. Uh, the girls have a fight. I've just put rubbish. It was really rubbish. shit. It's like they've just gone. I know you're both wearing ball gowns, but can you just have a... Uh, one of my favourite lines in the whole film was Aura, the princess, where she's telling her to try and poison Ming. I don't know if you heard this line. It was so well put out. Just in the middle of nowhere. I would have watched it and done this face. I would have gone, hold on. She says something like, you're going to poison him. She says, it's very difficult. And she went, no, my father always drinks a power potion before he makes love. <laughs> Well, whose dad doesn't? Happy Father's Day, everyone. <laughs> Power potion. Brilliant. So, sub-question that everyone who listens to is, is wanting me to ask because you won't answer it. Dan, what do you drink before you make love? Uh, normally some water. So, you know, a bit, a bit of mouthwash, depending on, uh, depending on uh, you know, if I really like the girl or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's normally... That's Keep normally got a lot hydration. To 
Yeah. You know, I've got to, got to stay hydrated. And, uh, and if I've got to keep the wolf from the door, certain, <laughs> certain amount of wine, you know what I mean? Get myself proper pissed up just to, uh, <laughs> just to stop me shooting my beads too early. Edit that out. I don't think I want to, cause I can't be asked. It means we stay up to 11 at night for me. It's always a warm cup of cider. <laughs> Are you sure it's cider, or are we doing some American pie? Think of, my headphones came out when I did that. Uh, I couldn't think of anything worse than if you want to have a nice, fresh mouth than drinking warm cider. <laughs> but still, people go to festivals and bang each other, like you know what I mean. I, and that's what they all smell like in my head. But as it says here, he showed. I was just trying to pick another quote, and I picked the Hitler one. Mm, he showed some promise. So uh, Flash just still attacking creamy skies. There's a bit where they say we need to electrify that cloud, and this bloke who's driving it just sort of looks down at his knee and he just taps two buttons really quick. I was like, yep. now that guy either he read his manual on day one. If you ever need to electrify a cloud, press red and blue like this. He just yep. he doesn't even give a shit. He just goes waff waff, bang bang, cloud electrifies. Yeah, I would Boom. be going. There's only four buttons. Is this, uh, what I get that's the gun. What's this? Oh, electric! I ain't got a fucking clue. It's like that Simon Says game. You got to go, yeah, uh, 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 yellow, red, red, blue. Yeah, awful. Um, what's the end of it now? He's still coming. He's still coming. He's, he's still coming. <laughs> the best way I can quantify it is in that scene in uh, in uh, the Monty Python movie, not the Life of Brian, uh, the the Night of the Round Table one. Shit, I've just forgotten. Oh, the Knights of Saint Nee, yeah. The holy, no, the, the Holy Grail, yeah. Grail, yeah. Monty Python, and the Holy Grail, where uh, John Cleese is running towards those guards, and every time they look in the distance, he's still running towards the guards. It it's kind of like that. It's more like um, Austin Powers, where he's in the roller. He's really no! No! He just keeps going. Um, so he keeps coming. Now I've put here more enemy costumes. Hawkman attack dive. He does the big dive, yeah. and the Queen. This is where they earn their oats. Now, Freddie, I think. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's good to talk ill of the dead. He was known for liking a bit of the Columbia marching powder, and and you know, from having been in bands and stuff like that. Sometimes the lead singer or the songwriter likes to go, "Here's some chords. I'm fucking off for a bit." Yeah, and um, and that's the sort of thing that they like to do. Now, for me, uh, Freddie has decided to spend his time on this on this song, this bit here. We've got to write a song about a Flash approaching for 17 hours on a little blue bike, whatever it is. Brian, you go and do it because <laughs> that's his voice. <laughs> he said it to Ian McKellen. Brian, will you go and do it and stop them coming to Mordor? And then that, and then that bass comes in, and it's like nineteen guitars going. That's what Brian May does. He just puts like when a lot of bow rap and stuff is where it sounds amazing. It's just like one or two guitars, um, loads of guitars. Queen kicking ass, and then there's a brilliant bit which really fuddled me and mixed up my music with my films. Because there's a bit where Brian Blesses going about, he's going to die and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, who wants to live forever? Why can I only do Ian McKellen tonight? Who wants to live forever, Frodo? Um, and I thought, oh, that's good. It's a Queen reference. Queen didn't do that song till 1986. No. Did Queen, because we know that uh, One Vision was all about Bob Geldof. Because right. at Live Aid, they were so impressed by him. They wrote... One man, one vision. That's about Live Aid, right? Although for some reason at the end they go, gimme, gimme, gimme fried chicken, which I don't quite understand what. <laughs> Again. Also, you've got Midgeor from Ultrabox there going, what the fucking hell? I might, what am I, chopped liver? You know what I mean? Just just raging like, about the whole thing. Just because I didn't get on the TV and say, give me your fucking money. Is that what it's all about? I don't know where I've come from. He's, from he's not Irish. <laughs> he went Northern Irish or something. I was trying to mix Scotland into the middle of the south. I was trying to do the Dublin thing. And I went into... As, yeah, so if you mix Scotland... Actually, Dan, if you mix Dublin with Scotland, you probably do get Northern Ireland. So, <laughs> lick a dick. Uh, so, yeah. So, Freddie's uh, gone and uh, Donnie said, who wants to live forever? They've probably gone... Do you remember that time we did that film with Brian Blessed? He said, who wants to live forever? could be a song which was weirdly from another film wasn't it it's from the highlander mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. i'm not seeing so i have to watch that at some point uh aura kicks off saves prisoners very star wars countdown set brian may here comes the bride oh yeah forgot about that like 12 queen guitars going off uh rocket but no birds okay i don't know why i put that uh agent with imager eyes he gets his eyes pulled off wedding guns at flash all going off lightning field taken down queen getting proggy as fuck bow, 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 bow. loads more music uh spears ming what a shot i mean if you can hit a man with a spaceship through a window you deserve it ming's dead sort of clock runs out end celebrations yeah and then at one point i thought they said we're all mongols aren't we and i heard that wrong because they're all mongos and i heard that really wrong and i had to go and check what the place was called it says well, i'll make sure we're all mongols and i was like 
that's awful. And then it's the end, and then it's got a question mark. Dis- any of those points you want to discuss? Okay, so first one is that that's the best SFX of the entire movie, making um, when Ming slides off the point of that ship. That, that was the only... Yeah, there was the only point where I went, oh, that looked all right. That did look shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the ending, the the end question mark, this was supposed to be a start of a trilogy, but it absolutely died at the, uh, at the box office, only making something like 35 million quid. Now... When we said 35 million quid, if you think of us watching Evil Dead last week, uh, making 58 million quid, this is someone's bit, someone's dropped the ass out of something somewhere. But I, I feel like the Americans have these, um, they put these characters on pedestals and um, to make their own the, folklore because they haven't got it from hundreds of years before, like Robin Hood, Jimmy. No, not so much that. It, it's more like their cartoon characters and their comic book heroes and stuff like that. So, for example, right? If you think of Iron Man and Batman and Superman and all these uh, these big Hollywood uh, things that have made it, they've only really chucked their weight behind a, a few characters, you know. And then the last, what is it, 13, 14 years, they've gone, right, you're having these. Now, us as British men, do you have any real reference, real reference uh, as a kid of Iron Man or Captain America? Like... I, I kind of knew they existed. I knew they were a thing. I knew there was a yeah. Saturday morning cartoon, but I didn't really know a lot about them. My dad had got a lot of, I don't know if he'd got them after, but he's up in the attic somewhere, the loft, sorry, as we call it. Um, he's got loads of original Marvels and stuff from 60s, 70s. So mm. I don't know if he got them as a kid. So I knew of the characters because of that, or maybe some cartoons that are on the TV, but not in the same way as it is now with the films. But like Flash Gordon, to me, is the same way if we presented Super Ted to the Americans or Banana Man. Yeah, it's just something quintessentially of their country. And I think Flash Gordon's one of them. And I and I believe Dan the same. Dan Dare's similar. Dan Dare's a great example. And, and I feel the same that they do it also with, you know, Tom and Jerry. For fuck's sake, lads, put it to bed. Scooby-Doo, put it to fucking bed, lads. Nobody gives a shit anymore. About, why do they keep rebooting it and bring it out, change the animation? Nobody gives a shit anymore. When did you last Stop see- it. Uh, best way of putting this, really, because I'm going to make a comment about it today. Where, when was the last time you saw with your eyes Scooby-Doo in any shape or form? Uh, the recent Thelma uh, series by Mindy Kaling about six months ago. Oh, okay. So that's six months. Today, on the streets of Brighton, while skipping along... I saw that same guy who's always on the streets, bless him. And what he's done is his kind of niche. You know exactly what I'm going to say, don't you? He collects Scooby-Doo's. Now, I keep thinking to myself at some point, I would put the money into grub and stuff rather than keeping buying these Scooby-Doo's, mate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And secondly, where you put your food, your money down from, which I did think as well is getting harder these days because no one's got cash. It says Scooby Snacks. So weirdly, today I saw about seven Scooby-Doo's with a bloke on the floor and asking for Scooby snacks, and you've just brought it up. And I was like, let me, t- let me tell you about that man, right? So there is a guy in Brighton. On your list, is he banned? <laughs> He's all over the list. He is the list, right? Uh, so there's a guy in Brighton that makes his appearance more palatable for the families and kids that come down to Brighton by presenting a number of about five-inch plush teddies of, of Scooby-Doo out the front of it, just so the kids grab and go, Mummy, look, it's Scooby-Doo, and then they make Don't eye contact. Don't touch it. Yeah. And they're all brown and dirty. They look like the type of toy that you see strapped to the front of a dust cart. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, and what he is, he's what you'd refer to as a modern day Fagin. You know what I mean? So when when the crackheads want to come up and buy some of their uh, crack, uh, they walk up to, his nickname, his nickname Scooby, ergo the, the teddies and whatnot. They walk up to him and he walks them off into a different area to then make the deal with somebody else who's waiting around the corner. So he's like the middle guy. You he's know what I mean? Like, he's more like the Artful Dodger, really. Fagin was uh, like the big boss man of them kids. F- Dodger was the one who connected. So Scooby is basically the Artful Dodger, that's what you're saying. Not Scooby-Doo, but Scooby and Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> so has he got drugs inside them Scooby-Doos? You, you know, you'd like to think. We've seen enough, you know, Beverly Hills Cop movies to see that there's drugs inside teddy bears. You say you've seen enough, I haven't seen any. Well, there you are. That's what we'll do next week, then. Beverly Hills Cop. We've already done Eddie Murphy. Oh, is it time to go? Right, anyway, let's get to the scores and stop. Uh, just in case someone's listening to this and they're, they're the kind of people like they do in uh, Colombia and parts of Brazil where they go around the streets going to just uh, rid themselves of what they call this scum. I don't want to also put a target on this poor bloke's back because he's fucking easy to find because uh, he's covered in Scooby-Doo's. Uh, Dan, score out of 10 for Flash Gordon. 
Oh God, this this is really difficult because I genuinely don't want to judge it on the on the CD CG or uh, the special effects is what it had been called back then. But knowing that Star Wars came out three years prior to this movie, they are janky as shit. It's quite camp. It's quite comic booky, and 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 it kind of sits well in that environment. But there are a lot of things in there that you kind of like. This is fucking terrible. So I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, there's not a great amount of story. I, I I forgave it for being, I mean, how much I do and I don't write. Okay, I was going to go argue with myself there. There's times when you sort of go, well, it's it derives from that kind of like cartoon strip type thing where you only have so many you know boxes or cells to fit a story into. But then Tintin did it pretty all right as well. And Tintin comes again, out. Tintin. I couldn't give a shit about Tintin, but the French and the Belgians love him, right? I love it. It's, do you know? I think the reason why I do with Tintin is because it's time and place. Because I'm a bit of a sucker for Poirot, Agatha Christie stuff. It's that 20s, 30s kind of period for some reason. I don't know. It's because cars are just getting a bit sportier and travels becoming a bit more. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's got a nostalgia for me. That's I can't really put my finger on. So you'd have been right on board with the Willy Fog cartoon as well in the. Oh, oh, you get me stuck around the world in eight days. I still love it. And um, so I can I can forgive it an element of that, but then because I say things like Tintin have got much deeper stories. I guess they were kind of bigger cartoons. I don't as well. I like to say Star Wars is a thing. I don't think all the effects are terrible. Uh, I don't think there's any story whatsoever to speak of. It's just basically like shit's going down. You know, at least he isn't trying to bang his teacher. Oh no, he's banging everyone. Uh, basically, uh, f- five. Oh, again, that's the second time I've given a lower score than you. That <laughs> that's uh, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's there's a hell of a lot. I mean, it probably will move to a four at some point. It's it's sitting in the five waiting rooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I think Predator was a four to start with, and now it's on one and a half or something. I think Predator. Predator's on. The, oh, pre- that could be the film for next. Let's do Predator. Let's do Predator. Have you seen Predator? I've seen Predator. I've seen Predator. Okay. And what's a good drink to have before you watch Predator? <laughs> Warm cider. Okay. So next week, Dan and I will be watching uh predator and before we do the review we'll both down a pint of warm cider eat a plate of hair and then talk to you <laughs> who's in predator which which action here is in that it's arnie again oh okay i can do it if it was, was jean claude van damme again i won't be fucking ready uh, <laughs> I, anyway. actually i actually actually it does have jean claude van damme in it to, right so interesting fact, before we start it next week <laughs> jcvd was the guy in the suit playing the Predator. And uh, and because he realised nobody could see his face, he went, I don't want to do this. So they fucked him up for somebody else. Do you know the real reason was? It's because he sweats enough when he's outside of a costume. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was no call for the splits at any point. <laughs> Can that... Is it a monster or something? Can that monster do the splits in this scene? There's absolutely no need, John claude whatever your real name is. Yeah, so we'll be uh, down in some warm cider and having some hair burgers uh, and some Scooby snacks. Uh, but thank you for your time, Dan. You've, uh, thank you, and hope you have a nice week. My absolute pleasure. I'm going to stag do this week. I'm going to Ascot Racers. Uh, and the the best thing uh, about going to Ascot Racers is that it comes with a, um, a dress code and no all socks. men have to wear socks. Oh. It says, so already it's cut out the shitheads. Yeah, that's good because they do not know. They'll wear them low socks and so they've actually got socks on, can't you see? Still not getting in. It, got, it, it literally says, has to cover the ankle. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. I, I am so pleased for you, mate. And uh, yeah, I'll see how you get on with that afterwards. And uh, see you next week, everyone.